We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. It's a live edition of Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank. An Emprise debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through the AllPoint ATM network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country while getting the value of working with a trusted partner in Emprise Bank. Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partner Impossible here at KC Sports Network. They do so much. Uh, it's been great to be partnering with them. Um, you know, I we're we we work with them with the KCSN Draft Guide too. They they set up a business account for for the KCSN Draft Guide uh, as well. They've been absolutely wonderful to work with. It's been absolutely wonderful to work with Scott Chasen. Find him on Twitter at Chasen Scott. I've already used that one before, but I genuinely mean it, Scott. I, well, Ken, I was going to say, if you're playing the booth review drinking game where you take a shot anytime Kent compliments me and then I feel awkward and I guess I have to compliment him back, uh, you might be dead at this point just from these episodes. But by the way, you could follow Kent Swanson on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. And by the way, Kent, your haircut looks terrific. So I hope people appreciate that as well. Well, thank you. You know what else looks better? My Charlie Hustle t-shirts. <laughs> Uh, they've been, they're, they're fun to work with as well. Uh, keep an eye out. Um, they've, uh, they've been really great to work with. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot to discuss today. It's, uh, the bye week and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like a point in the season where, you know, you've got eight games under your belt. You got four more kind of feels like the bye weeks at the perfect time for this team though. I, I think the perfect time I was thinking about this. Like one week ago, I, I think in place of the Baylor game probably would have been the perfect, perfect time. Mm. But yeah, this this team needs a bye week now, and it's good that it didn't happen early in the year because it feels like, you know, just covering Kansas all these years, it felt like the bye week was always super early and just inconvenient, not really helpful for anything. You didn't get a huge boost coming out of it because you were still trying to figure things out. Um, not necessarily like an extension of fall camp, but just that, yeah, you weren't getting this lift where... You get to refocus now. You get to get healthier. I mean, Kansas is dealing with position or injuries at quarterback, running back, receiver, 
offensive line, defensive line, safety, and cornerback. That is eight of the starting, I don't know how many positions um, on a football team. So, or eight of the units at least. So yeah, I mean, Kansas needs this to get healthy. Kansas needs this to self-scout. And Ken, it, Kansas just needs this to refocus and get mentally ready for four games with a chance to go make a bowl game by winning one more. Right. They are on the doorstep <laughs> of getting to a bowl game, and they've got four opportunities left. I don't know when the bye week has been for Kansas over the last 10 years. I didn't look it up before the show. But I am just excited for the fact that Kansas has kept things interesting <laughs> all the way to their bye week and um this is a this is the big four game stretch and you know we talk and we speak with a lot of confidence that KU's gonna find another win somewhere right we've been talking a little bit about this like we believe it i'm gonna ask you this off the top what do you think is the most realistic game that kansas wins in these next four to get them to bowl eligibility yeah well ken i'm of the belief there are three that have a better chance than maybe people would think. And that's pretty much every game except Texas at home, which by the way, I think Kansas can win that too. I wouldn't count them out of any game, but um, I, I don't feel afraid to get a little spicy here and say that I, I think Oklahoma state coming off a of bye week Oklahoma state, you know, has to deal with a good physical Kansas state team this week that we'll see what they're doing at quarterback. I saw Kellis Robinette at the Eagle reported that it, you know, it could be Adrian Martinez. It might not be. It might be Will Howard. Will Howard looked, played the best football I've ever seen him play in his last game. Um, that Kansas State team is good, is tough, makes you play their kind of physical brand. And then Kansas gets them a week later, two weeks to prepare, time to refocus, maybe time to get some pieces back. And even if it's not getting pieces back, it's getting guys healthier. It's having that offensive line more healthy. It's having Devin Neal get that week of rest. It's having Kenny Logan get a week of rest. I, I would expect some fireworks from Kansas. So yeah, I think these next two weeks are, um, I, these next two weeks, I think make a huge difference for Kansas and give Kansas a really good opportunity to go out and win a football game. I think the best bets still probably Texas tech. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't, KU hasn't been blown out of a game yet. We don't talk, we haven't talked about this yet, but like, I mean, we got have a little bit, I guess, but the most they've lost is 12 points. It hasn't been annihilations, you know, um, throughout the season. They haven't been, you know, blown out of the water. They, you know, I don't think a backup quarterback's got a chance to get in against Kansas as a point of reference, um, you know, in a, in, in a blowout. So I just, yeah, I, I think Texas Tech's a good bet, but you're right. Like all of these games are winnable. I genuinely believe all these games are winnable. And, Oklahoma State, probably in the TCU kind of, you know, range, I think, it, it, when it comes to a team that they're matched up. And guess what? KU went toe-to-toe -to -toe with TCU. So, I mean, Texas is the wild card. You know, it's a little bit up and, you know, they're up and down. But, man, I have a feeling they're probably going to be up for this game. But, I mean, hey, look, Quinn Ewers was all over the map this week against Oklahoma State. So, I, I I genuinely like I don't know which one it's going to be, but you're right. All four seem extremely winnable. Yeah. Well, you call Texas a wild card. I would call them a wild viewers. Um, that's a bad joke. And if you didn't get it, then there you go. Uh, no, look, at all of these games, I, I think we're watching this team. We're no longer in, in the category. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to speak for both of us. 
of thinking someone needs to come out flat for Kansas to catch them, which is where I think it was for a long time. Like I would talk about how Texas shows up for big games. They did it against Alabama, certainly did it against Oklahoma, but Texas has always done that. They've always taken that challenge of playing the biggest games really personally and then looked like a team that's undisciplined, that doesn't want to be there, that doesn't know how to execute in every other game. Um, We'll see. Like, I'm not sure, but even if Texas is playing well, um, depending on what Kansas does, I I think Kansas has a chance to really, it's kind of boring, and and this is something we do say a lot, but complementary football their way, using it as a verb, they have a chance to complementary football their way into basically winning any game. If the offense sustains long drives, if they're running the ball effectively, if the defense can be opportunistic, get a couple timely takeaways, maybe a big stop here or there, Kansas has the tools to win in a shootout. And can something I wanted to talk to you about today, like I just want to talk about the areas of this team that have surprised us. Mm. Either good or bad, I I feel like 90% of it is going to be good. Because I was looking at some of my preseason stuff, and for people who don't know this, it's a little psychopathic. But like I self scout, like I I will listen back to old podcasts always on like fast speed and just be like, did I make my points clearly? Did I did I a- or accurately articulate the thing that I was trying to say, or was it kind of lost in me having this wild train of thought? And when I listen back to like early season stuff, I'm like, I had no idea how good this wide receiver unit was going to be. I didn't have a clue that the secondary was going to be as opportunistic as it was that the young guys were really going to be the stars of that unit as, or, or the returning guys as compared to transfers. And I, I think I personally undersold both lines. I think both lines have been better than I thought they were going to be. So we can dig, dig deeper, but I'm curious where you were before the season and maybe what surprised you the most. I am blown away by this offensive line. Um, and I, I had optimism about the growth of this offensive line coming into the season because we saw Scott Fuchs uh, do an outstanding job um, as the season went on. But I'm blown away by how the offensive lines really kind of turned into a strength for the most part. Um, I, 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 the pass protection, I think, has been outstanding, and that's always been, been very good. Run, run, you know, the run game's a little bit up and down, and this group can be out talented, out physicaled with some, you know, relative consistency in the run game, which is why when Jalen Daniels is in, the versatility, the multiplicity really did them a lot of favors because so many run schemes that you're running at them at a defense, at a defense, forcing them to think just a tick kind of helps balance the scales a little bit, which is why it was so amazing and impressive that KU has been able to execute a variety of run concepts um, and pass protect the way that they have. Um, the, we talk about complimentary football and all this stuff. And it is this, that's the motto of this football team. That's why Kansas football has five wins to this point. And there's aspirations and dreams and hopes and beliefs that they're going to get a sixth win and go bowling is because of complimentary football. We talk about the offense and the defense, but it's both. It's like, yeah. it, or it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's both sides of the football, like just individually as well. Because I look at the offensive line and I think Andy Kolnicki actually had a quote um, a while back where, you know, they don't get like they they don't give, you know, the offensive linemen um, a ton to do pre-snap, but they give them a lot to do post-snap. And then they give the skill players a lot to do pre-snap and they don't have to do as much post-snap. 
where it's kind of, <laughs> we're going to try to be as multiple diverse. We're going to give teams looks. We're going to try to, you know, help the entire unit by making teams think and adjust. <laughs> sorry. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but being able to kind of meld everything together with that kind of, you know, um, complexity, but simplicity at the same time is a credit to everybody. But the offensive line has thrived, <laughs> sorry, thrived in that. Yeah. Well, Kent, there are two kinds of Andy Kotelnicki quotes. So I was really curious which way you were going. There are like the really good football philosophy ones. And then there's also like Aristotle once said that the key to success is X, Y, and Z and applying it. So I was curious which path you were going to go down. But on the offensive line, um, I think the thing that has maybe not surprised me, but impressed me, especially the play of like Pony in the guard spots, um, Kansas has found ways to do things kind of in their own style. Like one, one example I'll give is how many times have we seen Bryce Cable do playing right tackle left guard pulls over and basically fills that quasi right tackle role. He slides in and like, they just find these concepts that make these guys seem comfortable working together. And obviously that's the hallmark of a good, you know, offensive line coach, Scott Fuchs. It's Andy Kotelnicki. It's the staff. It's, you know, good coaching is, is about putting your players in the best position to succeed. But you also have to have players who are good enough to execute, um, regardless of what you're asking them to do. And then those players have to do it against really good teams. The number of times that Kansas has thrown deep balls this year successfully, and that's Jason Bean as much as it has been uh, Jalen Daniels. Yeah. To me, like, if you're a KU fan and, and you've stomached watching this team year after year after year, you can't take for granted when Jason Bean sits there for six seconds and has a chance to say, yeah, I do want to throw this to Quentin Skinner 45 yards down the field. I'm going to try it. Like those are moments that often get lost, especially when, you know, the, the pass is impressive. The catch is great. It's a big highlight play. Or if it's incomplete, like it's an overthrow. Um, I remember that 2020 COVID season that included a game where Jalen Daniels got sacked nine times where both his tackles got blown by. He got sandwiched, knocked out of a game where it didn't look safe for him to be playing in the game as a freshman. And I think about the number of times that a Kansas quarterback had a chance to load up and throw a deep ball and him specifically, I I'm sure there were more than this. Can I remember one? And it was in the Baylor game. I think it was like one of his first games and he overthrew the guy. And after that, I, I just remember the storyline that year, especially as the year went on was Andrew Parchment, the receiver on the team at the time who ended up transferring to Florida state. He was getting pissed off and he was sharing videos at one point on social media about him being wide open, running down the field. And I was like, that's not Jalen's fault that he can't get him the ball. It's not Miles Kendrick's fault. They have a second to throw and they're getting killed. And so I think when you talk about offensive line, like it, it, it's those little plays like that, a play action pass where Jason Bean just sits there and maybe he completes it, maybe he doesn't. But that to me is the growth of this team, that they're putting guys in positions to be comfortable and succeed and that they're executing well. It's kind of boring sometimes. Kansas's offensive line is just pretty good. Like that's a good Big 12 unit that might have two all Big 12 linemen. Um, and, and that's a huge step for this team. Massive. And it, it came the hard way. You know, it came with a lot of work. And um, it's it's been impressive what they've been able to do. And, you know, Jason Beans had a chance because of it. And um, it's it's been impressive. Um, I, I look at, I just look at this group just looking at the whole offense, going back to this a little bit, it's just the hallmark of a good coaching staff. Like, 
how logical and how well these pieces fit together is stunning. Like, I hope people realize, and this isn't knocking the kids in that building right now, because there's a lot of talented football players. They're not walking onto the field with the most talent most weeks. Um, and we'll talk about the defense a little bit mm-hmm. later, but like they're walking into they're walking into games not with the same number of scholarship players, not with the same level of talent across the board. And I it's just I'm blown away at how all of these pieces fit. There's not they're they're not wasting any time, they're not wasting any talent, they're not wasting anything they're just so <laughs> efficient as a group in finding a way to i watch this mind-blowing coordinate this <laughs> on both sides of the ball frankly i'm 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 gonna defend the defense a little bit later but i, I just I, i'm impressed like i'm just very impressed by how logical everything you know works and I'm going to talk about surprises. I think we talked about the receivers making play down, yeah. plays down the field. They've made plays. Think about the TCU game. Like Part of the reason <laughs> Jason Bean went nuts in the second <laughs> half is because the receivers were making some big plays for him. And I saw <clears throat> several plays by several different receivers in that game that just kind of went, okay, something's different here in this, in this, in this place at Kansas because you're seeing guys kind of play. Like, again, Complimentary football, stepping up to help each other is what this is all about. Receiver group, big, big improvements. Receiver group gets an A plus from me uh, from the first half of the season. And I would tell you, I'll give Quentin Skinner a little bit of a pass given how good he's been this year from those two fumbles. One one was more questionable than the other, but how they called it on the field, there was no way they were going to be able to overturn it. Um, So that was not me saying like the refs made a bad call. I just it got cold one way and it, it stood. I, I thought that probably was the right decision. Um, I, I would grade them as the best unit on the team start to finish to where the things are this year. And again, you know, I talked about finding things that the players in your team can do comfortably, like that one kind of alignment where you pull a guard and then you make your tackle block inside a little more. And maybe he's comfortable with that. Maybe you feel like you have the pieces. Let's talk about the receivers. Let's talk about how they use the receivers, right? Because, like, they found ways to unlock LJ Arnold in big situations where he gets a one-on-one matchup and gets to go up and high point a ball and make a catch. They found ways to put Quentin Skinner in a position to succeed, where they get him running down the field where they know he's bigger and probably faster than the guy he's going against, and that they can throw him that deep ball. Trevor Wilson walked off the campus and joined the football program. And a game later, they're throwing him deep balls, which is what he does. Now, obviously I know they're very familiar with Trevor Wilson, but that's just another example of putting a guy in a uh, position to succeed. Tanaka Scott. I was, that's, that's the one, that's the one you go, go Scott. Well, think about it. They're throwing him the, first of all, plays that allow him to use his strides to be a strider, whether it's the screen action, whether it was like a fade, they tried to throw him. Again, something over the top where he can get down the field. It's all of these guys. It's every single one of them. The tight ends to an extent too. How many times do we see a, a ball to Jared Casey on some kind of a crossing route on a key down or a big play, including fourth downs? They had a fourth and two they converted with him. Where it's like no one else on the team is capable of winning that matchup and making that catch quite like that. But that's what Jared Casey does. They say he has the best hands on the team. So he's the guy in that position. And this takes nothing away from previous wide receiver coaches or offensive coordinators. 
some of which had more success than others. But I think this is where you see like this full staff working together understanding. Ken, I've covered a lot of football teams beyond just, you know, KU. I've been around other sports. Uh, I Not all the coaches are on the same page and working together at the same time. A lot of times they have very competing priorities. They want different things happening. And I think the way Andy Kotelnicki handles collaboration, starting with, hey, what are your 15 plays? Going to every assistant, going to players on the team and asking that, and forming a scripted drive based off what everyone thinks. I think that approach to coordinating is so different. And it takes me back to a conversation I had with Coach Zabrowski, the quarterback's coach, um, on his first first day or, or introductory press conference, which was I had read in an article doing some prep work that he was co-offensive play co- uh, play caller, co-offensive or uh, co-play caller, not offensive, just play caller with Andy Kotelnicki. And I asked, I was like, how does that work? You're both calling plays or, or you take turns or what? And he goes, no, Andy's calling plays. We just talk. We work together. These are, this is Andy's play sheet. It is his, he makes the calls. And I thought I've had a lot of one-on-one conversations with some assistants before. It didn't go that way. Or maybe they went, he makes the calls, but you know, sometimes he needs to do X, Y, and Z or like, don't print this. But I think, I really think this, um, you don't see that on the staff. You don't see it in how they recruit. You don't see it, how they evaluate and you don't see it in how they coordinate and conduct a game plan. And I think it's very apparent watching them that they do things consistently, cohesively, and there is very much a brand that you can tell what they're doing and working toward because they have that communication. Well, and it's not, it doesn't stop with the offense. Perfect time to jump over the other side of the ball. And Lance Light holds the bridge between these two sides of the football, but they all are so unified. He, they are so unified in their approach to a game where the we talk about complimentary football all the time. I know, but KU is one of the best representations of that that I've seen in college football because the way that they are able to just build this logical game plan with both sides of the football is remarkable. They are wildly impressive. And I think that's the strength of what Lance Leipold does from a, from a game week perspective like there's so many things about him that i'm blown away by but i just love how they have built a cohesive plan on how kansas with what they have in the building is going to win football games and you saw it last year they had less talent last year and they found ways to keep games close they found ways to um pull a game out uh, especially late, you know, the, the the farther down the season that they got, the better they got. And, which, by the way, is probably a pretty encouraging sign for the next four games, especially coming out, out of a bye week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But let's talk about the defense because I I they went gangbusters to acquire defensive talent and defensive talent that was physically capable of being on the field uh, in the transfer portal. <laughs> I mean, they went nuts uh, on that side of the ball to try to get as much talent as they can. And I know I, I was on a uh, I was on the 24 seven message board, uh, just <laughs> reading through some some comments and a lot of people are upset with Brian Borland. <laughs> a lot of people are upset with the defensive side of the ball. And I am not. I I'm not. I'm really not that disappointed in Brian Borland or or these defense. I know they've added a lot of talent, and it's better than it's been in a long, long time. Um, but they've still got a long ways to go. They are not a physically Big Twelve caliber defense yet. They have young kids that they're playing where the tackling. Sh- struggles at times where um <laughs> being you know not in a weight room for four years or three years has has caught up to them at times um just playing some of the young guys that they're playing um they've been hurt they've had some injuries um their defensive line is markedly improved but doesn't have a ton of elite juice off the edge i think lonnie phelps when healthy has been very very good but I don't know if they have a ton of <laughs> a ton of guys complimenting complimenting him. But what I love is how both of these sides play each other, play off of each other, and they have a cohesive plan that both sides buy into that help. <coughs> I'm sorry, that help them win football games. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I, w- I was just pulling this up on my phone while you were talking. Um, again, if you look at this like a two year window, and less like an individual team. And you go through, I have this list pulled up. It's the super seniors on the roster on defense. So you're going to you're gonna lose a lot from the defensive line, okay? You're going to lose Malcolm Lee, Caleb Sampson, Sam Burt, um, and Eddie Wilson. Those are some impact guys, especially Eddie Wilson has been, in my opinion, fantastic on those short yardage downs. He's usually the guy, if someone's going to break through and make a play, it's usually been him. You're also going to lose Lorenzo McCaskill. And you're going to lose Earl Bostic offensively. Side note, that's the only super senior who's on the offensive too deep that you're going to lose. If this roster is correct, I think. Um, so Lorenzo McCaskill, which by the way, Lorenzo McCaskill has had some good moments. He's also taken a long time to get acclimated. I think that's something to remember with a lot of these transfers. So what does that mean? That means you're bringing all these linebackers back. You're bringing all these defensive backs back for guys like Romello Dotson, Jacoby Bryant, OJ Burroughs, three young safeties that you're already playing now. Okay, well, see what they're like in another year. And Kansas has been in these positions, but they haven't had the number of guys returning in these positions. Usually it's been one, two, three, four, maybe that you feel okay about, but it hasn't been like 
well, you're going to bring back your starting secondary. You could bring back your starting safeties. You could bring back Craig Young and Taiwan Berryhill and Rich Miller. Like Kansas has not been in that position where you have so many guys that you would want to stick around that you can keep around and they can still go into the transfer portal, you know, this offseason too. They'll have a few spots to fill. Um, to me, that gives Brian Borland a chance to really be successful next year. Now, for this year, I've talked a lot about situational defense, especially because, you know, I, I the defense is the worst unit of Kansas football. I there, There's pretty much no, no avoiding that if you're going to limit it to two or three, right? It's out of a, a few different options. But they won you a game. They won you the Iowa State game. They've had you in positions to where you could have beat TCU, where you could have beat Baylor. And oh, by the way, they had to make huge stops against West Virginia and Houston to get those wins early on. And if you look at this team through the lens of Kansas football is five and three this year and not Kansas football is 0 and three in its last three games, because Kent, you said something that really stuck with me. You were like, this team's still five and three. It's like, we can talk about the defense is terrible and the sky is falling and they can't win the games because the defense, blah, 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 blah. Um, They're five and three. They're above 500. If the Kansas City Chiefs started five and three, you'd be like, okay, they're well on their way to making the playoffs because good football teams start seasons five and three. That's a winning record. Um, That gives you a margin for error. For all this talk about Kansas not having margin for error, uh, Kansas has a margin for error. It's three more games, actually. They can lose three more and still be bowl eligible. They can lose six straight and still have a great chance to be bowl eligible the last week of the season. So that's where I look at this too and say, there's a real two-year window here where Kansas is building something and it's not building something. And this is the peak. This is the middle part, I would say. And there's something right around the corner that could actually be really, really special too. Depending on how long Jalen, Jalen Daniels stays, 2024 could be very, very interesting. Uh, from a Big 12 perspective. That is the closest I'm going to get to saying anything. Um but I think like I don't think they I don't think they've come close to their peak, Scott. Hmm. Honestly, like you say like this is the middle. I think they're just scratching the surface. Like I genuinely believe and, and I, that they're they're well on their way to building something stunning. Um I five, five wins this year is remarkable, okay? And it's 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 wildly impressive. I, I I'm blown away. I'm still blown away by this team. But back to the defense, though. Like I think you see how this team is ahead of schedule because of the defensive talent. Okay, like <laughs> I think there's more talent on the offensive side of the ball and. Jalen Jalen Daniels doesn't hurt. I think, <coughs> excuse <coughs> excuse me, the talent deficiency on defense shows up a lot more, which is why I don't know if I have <coughs> a ton of problem with the scheme right now. Mm-hmm. I will say this about scheme: we've talked, and and I know you agree about this. We we've talked about this from time to time about how Kansas wants to play. The bend don't break. In fact, people are probably tired of us talking about it. It's actually something that's kind of interesting when you consider the pieces on this team um, from a long-term perspective, but even from a short-term perspective, Kansas has just a uh, kind of an interesting blend. 
Like think about the players this year that have gotten you takeaways, right? Romello Dotson, he's in that camp, but it's Jacoby Bryant. He's a risk taker. Craig Young has been in there. It's been defensive linemen, you know, Jeremy Robinson forcing a takeaway, forcing a fumble, picking it up and running with it. Kansas has some, you know, you, you said talent deficiency, and I agree. I think there are other defenses that have, or, or teams that for a while have recruited better and recruited up bigger stockpiles of more developed it's, players. It's, it's talent and physical strength and like maturity. Like that's, yeah. those things together matter. And, and I agree with that. I agree with that. But I will say this. Kansas has recruited some disruptive defenders to where when you get those guys playing at their highest level, and, and when I say disruptive, I mean guys who would just flat out go make a play and blow up a drive, whether it's with a TFL or for forcing a turnover, forcing a hold, something like that. And the guys I think of with that, Jacoby Bryant, Kenny Logan, Craig Young, Lonnie Phelps, like those, those are four that immediately stand out to me. And you can get into more specifics. Like OJ Burroughs can be that guy. Linebackers unit has some guys like that. Marvin Grant at times can come up and make a big tackle. But th those four guys would be kind of my starting point there. I, I think it gives you some really exciting possibilities for when you are playing that both sides game, when the offense is moving the ball and the defense doesn't have to defend short fields. You know, that's we talked about this a lot after the last game. It, it, for what Kansas is set up to do, given the other team, because your offense throws a pick or fumbles it and they have 25 yards to go to score the other team, that, that's not helping Kansas's defense. Kansas's defense is not set up to defend in that situation. And you can argue it's a flaw. But again, Ken, as you pointed out last week, they're five and three. So it's a flaw that's allowed them to win 62.5% of their football games this year, which is, last I checked, way more than any Kansas team since uh, probably 2008, based off how the percentages end, being five and three. Um, Kansas has exciting playmakers on defense that over these next four games, you know, Jacoby Bryant's health pending, will have the chance to do that, to be disruptive. Give Lonnie Phelps a break, right? He's been banged up. He's been playing hurt. Certainly his dad's talking about that. His dad's talking about how he how the defense should be playing. He's got lots of ideas um, on Twitter. He's a really good follow, by the way, if you're not following him. It's Lonnie Phelps Sr. He is a, a terrific follow. Um, give Lonnie Phelps a week. What, what? Lonnie Phelps, your most explosive pass rusher, who's already had three sacks in a game, who should have like seven sacks on the air if they credited him for the one against Houston that he didn't get credit for. Um, give that dude two weeks to rest up. See what he can do. Get Jacoby Bryant back and see what this defensive backfield looks like. Give Kenny Logan some time to rest. I, I think that's what's, what has me excited about the now, because I, I agree with you, Ken. Like, this can be a little bit of an echo chamber. I don't have a problem with the Brian Borland defense. I, I actually think the way he's doing it is working, and I think the evidence of that is that this team is 5-3, and three, and they've won close games. They've battled, and when they haven't won, two out of three times, I thought it was their offense that let them down. Oklahoma game, I think both sides let them down, but... TCU and Baylor, I, I really stand by that. Their offense plays better. They win those games. Yep. They didn't, and they lose those games. Um, I think um, it, you see Brian Borland's defense get better as the game goes on um, mm -hmm. as well, which is also something that you know I think is the hallmark of good coaching. But I, I think, you know, I'm not saying that they're devoid of talent, but I think they have to play a little differently. And they, like, they have mm -hmm. to play holistically. They have to play as a unit. Um, offense defense special teams i mean a couple of their wins have been you know some special teams plays helping too or you know that have kept them in games as special teams but um i look at 
you know, the we talked we've talked about this a few times, but philosophically, like what Brian and Borland, what I see them doing is they want to they want to stop the run, so they're willing to play a little heavier personnel. <laughs> Craig Young's a valuable asset because of that. Um, they're they're going to try to stop the run. They're going to try to keep a lid on your offense and force you to drive. I know there's been some high scoring football games, <laughs> but I don't I don't want to classify them as shootouts. I don't think. I don't think the games that KU's played these high-scoring games have been shootouts. Why do I say that? Well, I think shootouts, the hallmark of a shootout is a lot of just explosive plays and and teams throwing haymakers at each other. That's not what that's not what Kansas football's high-scoring affairs have been. What they've been is um, you know, they've been high execution. Both teams executing at a high level. KU's not trying to play with tempo and drive up and down the field and turn it into a, a, a basketball game. <clears throat> They're trying to drive down the field, execute score points and force you to make more mistakes. And so Brian Borland has played top down with his defense and with his coverage. Yeah. They give up some soft, they give up some plays, but what they're trying to do is make 12 division one quarterbacks, high, you know, college kids, be consistent for 60 minutes at the quarterback position. And not everyone can do that. Hunter Deckers. Uh, I just, it's, it's not a bad strategy. And like, I think this team still, you know, they're playing with a little bit of a talent deficiency. So you have to play a holistic style of football where the offense stays on the field. The offense converts some four downs. (laughs) They're good in situational football. Yeah. They put a lot of points on the board and they protect the football. They don't ha- they don't shoot themselves in the foot with a bunch of penalties and fumbles, interceptions, and defensively we're gonna we're gonna make them play long sustained drives. And with the talent level that they have and the lack of, you know, physical maturity that they've got at this point, I I mean, I have zero qualms with the with the approach, the strategy. Is it frustrating at times? Yes. Are there times where I wish they could get off the field? Yes. But how many explosive plays have they really given up? And and even then, even then, Ken, it's been like contained to a couple games, right? I mean, that, that was the thing for me. Well, TCU got them for like really one. Oklahoma got them, I felt like, for a couple. West Virginia got two on busted plays, basically. A wide receiver screen where three different guys had a chance to make a play and didn't. And a defensive back fell down another play. You can remember the explosives. It, it doesn't feel like they've happened. You can count on two hands. You know, like I, there's one against Duke. There's one against Houston. But like largely, this this defense has set out what they came to do. And that's why I don't have really have, I don't have any problems with Brian Borland. Um, I'm going to ask you to pick the dub that they get in the next four mm-hmm. games before we get out of here. Let's pick it before we get out of here. What's I had something else for you. No, so we'll all right, do this, no, and I no, got one go, more thing. You go, you but, go. But I, Oklahoma State's going to be my pick. I'm, I, I honestly, I'm. We'll see how they play against Oklahoma State. I might pick Kansas to win each of the next two weeks, and then we'll see where they're at against K State. Um, I think these there are four good football games, four good football teams that they're playing against to close out the year. But I, I think Kansas is a good football team too. So especially being at home with the bye week, um, I'll give Kansas a little benefit of the doubt there. Um, you know, we'll see. It's all pending week to week. It still wouldn't shock me if this team won seven games, like n- not in the slightest. So we'll have to see how it looks. But for now, I mean, if you ask me to pick a dub, I would say I'd, I'd give them a pretty good chance against Oak State. Pack 
the booth for Oklahoma State next week, y'all. They need it. Uh, what'd you have, Scott, before we get All right. I was just looking at this Big 12 slate. Okay. TCU, West Virginia. That that one probably going to be a little bit of a blowout. TCU's favored by a touchdown plus. Okay. Oklahoma, Iowa State's a one-point line. Oklahoma State, K-State's a one-and-a-half-point line. Baylor, Texas Tech is a two-and-a-half-point line. So let's go back through this again. We got a one-point line, a one-and-a-half-point line, two-and-a-half-point line. Kansas beat Iowa State. Kansas lost to Oklahoma. That's a one-point line. Kansas still has to play Oklahoma State and Kansas State. That's a one-and-a-half-point line. Kansas just played Baylor. We'll play Texas Tech. That's a two-and-a-half-point line. This is the Big 12. These teams are good. These games are going to be exciting. By the way, if you're a Kansas fan, you have a bye week. You can watch some awesome football if you still probably care um, about these other teams and other games. But but those lines are a point, a point and a half, and two and a half points. That point should not be lost on anyone. This is the Big 12. Top to bottom, it is very, very even and very, very good. And even that TCU-West Virginia line, you were very close to at least having a chance to go for the win against TCU and you beat West Virginia. Kansas is not at the bottom of this list. Kansas is in, at worst, the exact middle of where all these games and where all these spreads end up. And that's why I'm confident about Kansas still winning a game. So I didn't, I didn't know if that line, that thought on lines, if you thought it was gibberish or you thought it was indicative of something because I actually thought it was a little bit indicative that Kansas is right there in the middle of the Big 12 and a quality Big 12 team in a very, very quality and fun Big 12. And that's the evidence I look at. If Oklahoma's favored by a point against Iowa State, you lost by one, you beat the other, then what does that say about your team? It all just, it's, I, I'm with you on a lot of it. Only counterpoint. Jalen Daniels. So yeah. <laughs> that's where things get a little bit wonky um, for me. Um, just because it, I, we'll see. What, I'm, I'm curious what the line for Oklahoma State is. I'm just very, I'm very intrigued to see what the line looks like for Oklahoma State. Do we, do you think you want Oklahoma, do you want Oklahoma State to win or lose this next game? What, what helps KU? A win? I don't know. That That's a good question. Every week is so different in college football. It's probably a win. I think Kansas kind of got the Kansas Oklahoma game will be one I go back to as that was the one where like had Oklahoma beaten Texas or not lost 49 to nothing. I, man, Ken, I think that game goes very, very differently and I don't I'll, think it's close. I'll say this. Uh, KU beats the brakes off of Oklahoma. If, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play Dylan well, Gabriel that, was yeah. uniquely capable <laughs> of beating that Kansas defense to shreds. The backup quarterback was absolutely not. It, KU yeah. would have beat the brakes off of Oklahoma, just so you know. But but to your point, I, I think probably a win. Pro- probably a win for Oklahoma State is what you're rooting for. But that being said, a, a really good physical game, you know, between those two teams, I think it'll be a great game. K-State's actually favored by a point and a half, which is kind of interesting. I know Spencer Sanders has kind of been dinged up. Um, this is the benefit of having your bye week where it is. Every team is banged up. You know, I was talking to Tim Fitzgerald, who covers Kansas State, just about the Kansas State injuries. They were on their third quarterback last game, okay? Deuce Vaughn is banged up. Half their defense is banged up. They had a guy pull a hamstring running down the field, like one of their best defensive backs. Every team in the Big 12 is here now. I, w- I wouldn't count out what it means for Kansas to get that bye week right now. That's a that's a luxury that other teams in the Big 12 are not getting. Uh, I think Oklahoma State had their bye week in September. Just yeah. so you know. So um, we'll be... We'll be uh... We'll be back on Tuesday, getting you ready for that game. Uh, no post-game show because there's no game. 
And uh, we're going to try to not be coughing next week. That is it for this episode of Booth Review. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later.